What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate and recording this um, the day before the last day of Black History Month. You know, um, I want to say a couple things. First of all, black history is American history. That means that there is no real designated time or place or more or less opportune time to talk about the the reality of black contributions and their impact not only on this country but the free world and the the future of humanity as we know it you know so um as i think about just what does it mean to really like celebrate and honor black history i really think it's about really cherishing the present and building a strong black future and for me like as lofty as an ideal as that may sound for me that means really living as freely and joyously as possible as I can every single day um, that means pouring into my two beautiful daughters Aman and Emery that means loving my wife Candace. it means being the best son I can be to my mother and my father and being the best brother I can be to my uh, my brothers and sisters, both by blood and by marriage. Um, and it means building a legacy by investing and saving my money and thinking about my children and my children's children and so on and so forth. Uh, and it means laughing and just having a good time. Really, truly. Um, you know, you, you know, we say this whole thing where we are our ancestors, wildest dreams. And some of that comes off a little pretentious and, um, cause I don't know if our, our ancestors dreamed that we would be chasing money and working from nine to nine every day in the name of some bag or position. I'd like to think that my ancestors, um, who came from, um, a, a small plantation in Shukalak, Mississippi, um, that they would have fantasized that I was able to rest and just enjoy my days. Um, you know, I'm really excited about the conversation we were able to have with Janae Norman. Um, Janae is an HR professional and just tons of fun. Great personality, great person. We had a really great discussion today about black folks uh, and human resources and really what this landscape looks like today and just navigating it in the world of work. I love it when we have HR professionals on because um, thankfully, truly, they rarely have ever pulled any punches. And, you know, I was always or rather I've been conditioned. I was not raised to think this way because I didn't have people really telling me how to navigate corporate America. But I I've been conditioned to really not see HR as a friend. And, and I've been validated in that <laughs> in several different ways over, you know, the last 10 plus years of my career. However, you know, I will say it's interesting engaging with black folks who are not putting on whiteness and really looking to make an impact in their work. Um, now, typically those types of black folks don't last long in their HR positions, um, but it's still a blessing to run into them. And so I want to shout out Janae. Um, I want to shout out story blocks. Um, you know, Y'all are a friend of the show. Janae, hope you know you come back anytime. 
And uh, we say that we say that in the, in the, at the end of the conversation. But I'm excited about you checking out this interview with Janae Norman. And I um, will see you on the other side. OK. All right. Talk to you in a little bit. Peace. Janae, welcome to the show. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you? You know what? I'm doing well. You know, we were talking offline about I got these kids. Uh, <laughs> new kid. New kid. Like, you, you can't new even kid. say, like, they old enough to just no, keep vibing no, out. Got, <laughs> no, definitely not. Well, my three-year-old, well, my she's about she's turning three next month. She want to be driving. Um, and But no, I got the, this four-month-old is definitely... She right, she on me. She we we at the hip on everything. Listen, um, I'm excited to have you on the show. We were also talking about the fact that, you know, we we have been rescheduling for a grip. Um, look, I want to just start with you've held a variety of roles, right? Like, cause you and the thing about it is, like, you're a millennial, right? Like you 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 ain't been you ain't really been out of college that long. Mm-mm. But but like when I look at when I look at your LinkedIn, it says 21 different roles, right? But I'm looking at like you're an intern a few different places. Yeah. Um, then you were, uh, then you were, you know, you worked at at John Deere for some time. Yeah. My actually uh, shout out to John Deere. My uh, my grandfather he retired from John Deere after 30 years. You were head of people uh, at Hawk Media. Then you were, you know, you worked at a, a few other spots, Yat Labs. You were head of people there. You're a VP of people at Moto Labs. Like you've been, you've been jumping all around. So here's my, I'm gonna just get it out there, right? How much of that is Janae doing her thing, just trying to like find, like zigzagging upwards, like a lot of, like a lot of I see high, I see a lot of high performing millennials do that. They zigzag up, or at least maybe I'm projecting because that's what I do. I don't know. Um, But how much of it is that versus? Black women being overworked, under-sponsored, underpaid, and you just having to figure out, kind of get in where you fit in. Oh, you know what? That is a very unique and good question because I think it's a combination of both. So mm-hmm. I think it was definitely in my 20s. Once I get this role, once I get this job title, I'm set. I've made it. This is what it's going to look like for me to feel successful. And then the other half of that is fight or flight. Like this isn't the right environment for me to grow and thrive in because I can be a builder anywhere. I can achieve what I want to achieve. But if the culture isn't there to help sponsor me or make sure that they are there to defend me against unconscious biases that exist in the workplace when it comes to, oh, well, she came off aggressive or she's not as engaged in that meeting as we thought she was. And well, I just didn't like the tone of how she presented something. Okay, well, I can't really do anything about that. But if there aren't sponsors and allies who are able to support it, I think it just made a difference. And I think a lot of it was me trying to find an industry that sort of catered to my uniqueness of what I brought to the table. And so when you talk about your uniqueness, what you bring to the table, like, what does that mean? Talk to me. Definitely my, I would say my spunkiness and unrelenting optimism. I think that plays a lot into who I am as a person. I'm going to be who I am inside of work as well as outside of work. And I don't want to have to corporate politic or push myself into a box to make other others feel comfortable around me. I think women in corporate America have had to do that for too long and it shouldn't have to continue. I think we, like I'm one of the people who's going to book the trend of, what HR should be and what it, it could be and making sure we're pushing the envelope to get to that. 
you know, like to, to, to that end, right? Like you kind of alluding to what a lot of people refer to as code switching, right? Like I got to put on this new or this different identity for the sake of my survival and our comfortability of white folks around me, you yeah. know, back in like 20, what was it for me? 20, like 16, I stopped all that code switching <laughs> because here's the thing. They going to know you black. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. They know you black, dog. You can sit around here and conjugate every little word you need to, like, bruh, like, Mm-mm. it's so funny, right? Because, and the, here's the other thing, too. I'm like, I've realized this now after therapy. Like, the way my mental health is set up, I need to continue to be who I am so yep. I continue to recognize me. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I don't do well, like, compartmentalizing parts of who I am in different spaces and places. Cause then, you know, you quote unquote slip up and you do something in one place that you didn't want to do. Other. It's like, bro, just be the same. <laughs> just be the same. You know what I'm saying? And like, and I'm not shaming anybody who chooses to do that. Like we've had like professors and stuff on talking about like the psychology of code switching. So like, yep. I'm not dismissing it, but just for me, it's like, man, like you're not fooling nobody. And the irony is you're trying to talk, more you're trying to adopt white jargon while white and and white adjacent people are trying to adopt black jargon so you trying to move like them and they talking like you all right brother talk to you later it's like yeah oh my gosh is that is just is that what you guys call a weave or something you were just (laughs) so great and i'm just like wait a minute that's not what we were talking about in this conversation but i'm glad you feel like we are close enough for you to ask me how my hair looks but thanks. Let's let's move on to something else about this PowerPoint I gave you three weeks ago. You three said weeks ago, <laughs> right? Get you behind on. Okay, so so the other thing, and and I could be wrong, is you know I sense that you know you're like a you're like a person of the people. Like you know, like we didn't talk about your background, but you don't you don't give off that you really came from, uh, like from like like royalty like you like like how did like working family lower middle class middle class like yep oh yeah definitely probably middle class family in terms of parents having degrees education is important this is what you should do to be successful my mom having an mba telling me like all right once you have these sort of things like make sure you focus on books more than boys even though i think it was driven to my 16 year old me and be like oh my god like i got it i got it and then getting out there and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I think I needed to make sure I studied for this before I went on this date. But yes, I like it was truly, you have to, I think it's the thing that most millennials had, were given and then sort of unlearning from their Gen X or parents was you have to work twice as hard. You have to be twice as good to get half mm-hmm. of what they got. And then it was like probably my first corporate job at John Deere. And it was like, now, wait a minute. I've done all those things. I checked all the boxes. I got the degrees. I got the internships. I had the awards, accolades. I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. And then when I was passed over for a promotion or I didn't get to do the opportunity that I thought I deserved just based off nepotism, politics, whatever you want to call it, it was very a rude awakening in terms of, okay, well, what happens next or what happens now? And really having to go to therapy and navigate what it truly means to be who I am inside and outside of work. You know, like, and I asked that, thank you for sharing, right? Because I asked that because I think there are some times when people who are in HR roles, it's like, 
so everybody tells you, right? Black folks, white folks, whoever, they'll tell you HR is there to protect the company. And what I've seen is when they're HR people who are, it's not that they're trying to harm the company, but they really are employee centric. Yep. They seem to not last long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Wait a minute, I just go ahead and pull my collar, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out as I again I, and I'm not, you know, I just I'm seeing I'm seeing all these movements, right? I'm trying to figure out what role like has that ever played a role in you just being like, hey, like this this is not right for the employees. Like have you had those situations before where you've had to advocate for for the people. Oh, I think every major leadership role that I've had, either after I come into any company that I do, I'll do an audit. I will talk to employees. Um, the first thing I will say, because I think it's important to know what I'm getting myself into, even when I don't know, is give me the good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. If I don't know about it, I can't fix it. I think that was the first like sort of catalyst of recognizing I am a people ops person. I am there to be a cultural steward to make sure workforce is engaged and empowered to do their best work. And I want to make sure I'm a conduit to be able to do that. And where often lands me is in positions where it's either up or out. So there are leadership teams who really agree with what I'm doing. They see the the reasons of why we should be having a work from home policy, a parental leave policy, and they really engage on that. And there have been others who was like, well, I know that person. You haven't been here long. They wouldn't do or say that or, well, this was broken and you're the one who found out it was broken. So you should be the one to fix it. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. In terms of time lapse of how that works in a role, that's not something I should be doing. And really having that pushback and engagement and hitting that unconscious bias around, well, this black woman is voluntarily telling me what to do or I haven't been talked to this way or this hasn't been addressed to me in such a fashion. So I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away. I think like, and I think so it's interesting because as we look at like the, as the organization changes, right. And we see like more millennials continue to rise in the ranks. And then also these Gen Zers come in and then Gen Alpha or whatever in the next, you know, seven, eight years. 10 years i don't believe that like the the functional role of hr is going to stay the same right because these young people who are the most diverse the most tech just enabled um the most politically uh, engaged even if they're not always the most politically savvy or educated yeah. most politically engaged they're going to expect something different from their workplace you know what i mean yeah. um I, I guess until that end, right? Like what trends have you been seeing and noticing in terms of like how younger, how younger black and brown talent engage work versus, um, versus white majority white talent? Oh, I think, Oh, I think it would definitely have to be in different buckets that we haven't seen before. So first bucket is bucking the strand of what professionalism is considered as. I think professionalism was through such a white lens for so long, how you're supposed to wear your hair, how you're supposed to talk at work, how you're supposed to come across around that presence and impact that is changing. And like how I'm going to use AAVE at work. I'm going to make sure that you know who I am and where I come from rather than trying to fit into good English or whatever we may call it. 
Um, and then really figuring out how to make remote work work for them. Like we are the ones bucking the trend. I think all these companies, large organizations are doing these return office policies. And then the next day you see emails come out that their positions were signed. We're like, we're not doing this. We haven't been back to the office for four plus years. And now you're rushing us back and it's just not going to work. We've been more productive outside of the office. We're, we don't have to navigate <laughs> implicit bias or racism because we're able to be ourselves remotely and they're able to be more successful. And lastly, I think it's more around being able to have higher compensation and asking for what they're worth instead of what they've been handed. Going into a job and getting an offer and being like, hey, that's not my what my market rate is. I'm going to push back and this is what I think I'm worth. And companies saying, yeah, we recognize that. Here's what we should have given you in the first place. I think it, you know, it's interesting to your point, right? I think because one, like the democratization of information driven by the internet and community platforms um, to really like gather information. So you think about not just Twitter, but like blind and Glassdoor, and even like, you know, platforms that are more corporate and bought out like fishbowl, but like they, these places exist now, Reddit, of course, where you can like really get the tea on pretty much anything. So if yes. I want to talk about my experience or if I'm about to get hired at insert company here, I can just type that company in, type in a couple words and I'm going to get real people's stories and experiences, which then empower me to then have a perspective and position on, okay, here's what I want. Here's what I need. And I think like that, to your point about bucking the trend, like it, it runs really hard, uh, contrary to, um, these historical capitalist models where it's like, Hey, like you're here to do a job. We're going to extract our labor from you. You're going to get, you know, a modicum, a little, little piece of paper and you go on, go on now. That's just different, right? Like people are trying to figure out to your point, like, okay, how do we make all this work for us? Like, I don't, yeah, yes, I know you're going to get my time. You're going to get my time. Okay. What do I, what do I need? What benefits, do, excuse me, do I need? What experiences do I want to have? What development do I need? And then frankly, what kind of workplace do I want to see around me? Yep. I think that's just a radical shift, right? From like what these white folks, particularly straight white men and these historically in these positions of power or at least straight openly presenting white men in these positions of power um, are used to engaging, right? That's a lot. Yep. Yep. Or even just weaponizing how it comes across. Well, we haven't seen this before. So why would we do it now? And really trying to categorize what people do outside of work or like, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now is I just talked to somebody who was like, Oh yeah, our company just, announced a no moonlighting policy like what do you mean i can't have a second job on top of the first one like if this in this economy with this level of inflation like it's not some of those things that can stick like back in the day yes you could have one job that can support entire families get you a house get you vacation but now we're realizing that doesn't happen and i think it's gonna continue to sort of push black and brown people in the direction of we no longer have to tolerate what the old way of thinking was and this is what the new one should be and really making companies buck against what they thought they needed. I think like old Fortune 100 companies thought was the right thing to do in terms of, all right, well, if you're not giving out the level of productivity we need, then you're going to be laid off. And what we're seeing right now in terms of what's supposed to happen over the next six to eight months. So to that end, right, um, let me ask you this. So all these organizations right now, I'm just, I'm getting the T. I'm getting the HRT right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to get it. 
All right. So all these organizations. <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay, go. I'm about to. Okay, I'm an ass. I don't care. Uh, so, so all these organizations right now are the copycat, right? So, oh, oh, so and so laying off people. I guess we gonna lay off people too. I don't care. We did thirty billion dollars in profits last quarter. I'm still cutting all these black people up out of here. All right. So, talk to me about, you know, what advice would you give? to employees, particularly black and brown employees in this economy, in this market where organizations continue to make job cuts. Right. Um, and the reason I ask is because one, I mean, you know, cause I'm, I'm gonna get your opinion. Cause I, cause I have some things I want to, I'm going to add to add yeah. to it with the stuff I see, but it hurts me, Janae. Like when I see people like who look like me and who don't have a side business, who don't have something else going on, um, who aren't like super sociable, like they can't get a job really quick and stuff like that. They have kids and all of a sudden they get laid off like that. It, it, just, it genuinely, I have, I, I have genuine empathy for those people. Yep. And so I, what, what can people do to not be one caught off guard to, to, um, to, to just make sure that they, mm-hmm. that they land in a, in a, in a softer way. Oh, I guess um, definitely take a step back to think. First thing is always have an updated resume in LinkedIn. I think that was one of the biggest mistakes when I experienced my first lay- layoff. I was like, now, wait a minute now. Well, how did I get caught up in it? <laughs> Why? Well, what happened in terms of like, okay, first in, first out? Like, what is this supposed well, to look like? Why am I in it? See how I got in it? Why am I in it? <laughs> and my Nene Leaks voice, like, how is this affecting me? And I really think it was taking a step back to make sure I had an updated resume back then, cover letter, like what does my LinkedIn need to look like to make sure I can land another job? And then COVID, which forced me to entrepreneurship and then like pivot. So really making sure you are always keeping yourself up to date because you never know what can happen and always be applying. I think people who get comfortable in roles, all right, this is where I want to be, this is where I need to be don't like they don't really think outside of what the current job market looks like or how interviews are going to go like i think covid was the rise in video interviews and most people not being comfortable with talking to themselves or figuring out how that looked really had to navigate a different market so making sure that you are comfortable with the current interview market you know the questions we've moved beyond star like you got assignments now really making sure you understand that and two continually if you aren't social or figuring out what you can do using internal resources to network externally. So there is a external webinar coming to your company that's going to speak to employees, see how you can leverage that relationship or resources to build a brand outside of where you currently are. I think that was one of the biggest things I had to learn was I could have a huge brand inside the company that I'm currently at, but if nobody recognizes that outside of the company, what good is it doing me when I need to leave? Like if you, if I can't quantify what I did here externally and how it's going to translate into my next company, it's not going to work. And I think lastly, having, it's very hard. And I think two or three years ago, I couldn't say this, but having a rainy day fund, like putting aside $30, $40 every week or buying gift cards for gas or groceries and just stashing those aside to really prepare for those moments um, where you have to navigate layoffs like this. Um, a big one, especially from an executive like perspective, is negotiate what you want up front. So whether it, because I've seen white men do it in terms of, all right, if I'm going to be 
laid off because this ain't going to work out in three months. I need three months of severance and insurance. If it don't work out in a year, this is what I need to see from you to pay me to go and have a bridge over to my next role and making sure that it's something you're comfortable with and that you can take a break and regroup from that. I love that. And to your point about negotiation, because I was talking to somebody else about this, right? Yeah. Um, who happened to be a, um, a sister, right? And somebody I genuinely care for. Yep. And we, she was looking at some other things. And I said, look, now when you get that next role, negotiate, negotiate your severance up front. So like if you, if you get laid off within this time, you get X, you get laid off. She said, you could do that. I said, absolutely. You could do that. I remember there was a mentor of mine. She negotiated, she jumped from one place to, and um, it was a smaller energy company. She negotiated. She said, look, I need, if y'all, if y'all ever lay me off, like without cause, like without, you know, like legal cause or something, I've broken the law. Y'all got to give me a year pay. And they said, yes, dog. <laughs> and <I'm sorry. laughs> I mean, I feel like every time like this, negotiate, because that's been one of the biggest things that has been a lifesaver for me. Every role I probably had since I left John Deere, I've doubled my salary. So every year that you saw me take on a new role, I've doubled my salary just because I knew what I was worth and what I was bringing to the table. And I wasn't going to back down from that. I've even turned down roles because, all right, like we, we can't meet in the middle. There's no way for this to go. Or maybe the leadership team wasn't as diverse as I needed to be. And no one could explain to me why. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the thing, right? Is like, it's also the willingness to walk away. And that's hard. Like it's, I think it's tough too. like for black and brown folks. I know for me anyway, like I asked you about your background. I share a little bit about mine is like, you know, it was really primarily me and my mom growing up and my mom did a phenomenal job. I'm not one of them people like didn't have no food to eat and had no shoes on my feet. Not, not no t- rapper t- no. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, I am <laughs> Every time your mom hit you, as soon as you get off the radio. Right. Who are you talking about? You Oh, you just lying. You just out here lying. No, so that's that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that, you know, I didn't have everything and it was just us, right? She worked really, really hard to provide. And so it was tough for me initially when I saw when my first job at Target and they offered me $44,000, I'm like, oh, shoot. I got to say yes, because, you know. But as you get older, you just kind of see things like, you know what? They ain't, they ain't even like a wink at a drop in the in the bit of a thimble of a bucket. Nope. They could pay you three times that and the company would not change at all. <laughs> like, like you need to get what you you need to get what is yours. Right. Um, I always tell folks, negotiate your sign on bonus, like yep. and and stack your bread. Right. Like live below your means. There's a whole nother podcast for another day. But listen, I do listen, because I definitely that first six figure salary. I was like, let's go. No, let me tell you something. When I went from camp, I went from Target making forty four thousand. And then I went to this oil and gas company called Cameron. I made sixty six thousand. Jenna, you would have thought that I thought I was. Mr. Him, okay. I I thought I was Hemi Neutron. I thought I was Him Tastic. I thought I what? I thought I was Hemothy. I was like I, I was like oh I was nothing sixty six thousand dollars. I'm making bread. Like man, come on. And so it's just so funny. And 
I want to say I got like some I got like some custom J's I was wearing at yeah, the office. You I was all out. I just I went all out. I can't even talk about you. I can't even talk about. We gonna you talk. I definitely. But, but 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing. I did that, but on parallel, I saved uh, uh, forty four thousand of that sixty six thousand to uh to buy my wife her first house when we got married. So like I was still I like you know what I'm saying. But I but but I did. But like my first t- two checks. I was going crazy. I, I went to the outlet mall and I'm over here buying up stuff at the outlet mall. I'm thinking I'm man. Anyway. So it's just funny how you get, <laughs> I ain't been to the outlet mall since no, no disrespect to people. I mean, I mean, no disrespect every, to the outlets. Every millennial like person of color, a woman who has been through this and hit that salary where like, I am comfortable. <laughs> I feel good. This is where I should be. Those that first, I would say the first year, like I think, one of my mentors actually told me, like that first hundred thousand, like that first six figure year, you're not gonna remember it. You, you ain't gonna have none of that money. And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm used to making fifty five. Like I'm like I got this. Like I can live on that. So I can live on this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. Not and so it was just, it was just so funny. It was just so, so funny in hindsight. But anyway, so look, this has been a dope conversation. I do want to talk about you just recently took on a new role okay um and i want to talk a little bit about why this particular role what you're doing and and what you're excited about oh okay um definitely take a step back because i left moto i did some traveling and a sabbatical and i really had to take a moment to write down what i wanted in my next company I think for so long, I was focused on job title and accolades and prestige, and it landed me in some places and situations I didn't want to be in. I didn't feel comfortable being in, and I couldn't be me. And for Storyblocks, it was really about, because I'm a senior people operations manager, it was really about finding a home where I could work for a diverse leader. I could work for a company that understood the importance of people operations and not just HR, like HR is moving well beyond higher and fire people ops is how do we use our culture to promote higher and fire the people we need to to make sure we have the company that we want and storyblocks help me do that so what i'm doing right now is definitely figuring out what needs to be done so really sitting down i'm doing a listening tour figuring out what teams i'm supporting being a hr business partner to them and seeing how i can incorporate all of my career experiences from crypto to software development to manufacturing into Storyblocks to really build them to this next phase of growth and development, moving out of that wonky like startup phase into we are a full-fledged company, then this is what it looks like to be that because I think every startup goes through these growing pains. And then what I'm looking most forward to is truly bringing me to work. I think it's so important to have a person that sponsors and defends you on and pushes back on you. That challenges my way of thinking. And I think my um, my colleague, because she's going to give me if I say boss, <laughs> is helping me to do that. And we're going to be able to learn from each other because I've been such a millennial trailblazer. I've been OK for the most part with being the youngest only one in the room that learning that I don't have to do that anymore and not relying on that flight or flight mechanism that I've had to for so long and figuring out what that means to grow and be remarkable is something I'm looking forward to. Well, first of all, let me just say, 
I'm excited about story story blocks having you right. This is not even an ad. I'm just telling you, I'm excited about it because I've watched you from afar. I'm excited about. I've always been interested. We we initially connected when you were at um, another brand, and so I've always been interested in connect with you. I'm so excited that we had this conversation. Um, let me let let me do this um, before I let you go. Okay. Any parting words or shout outs that you want to give? Oh, you know what? I mean, you're going to do like the rapper one. <laughs> Shout out to my parents for having me because I wouldn't be here without them for their love yes. and support. And I yes. shout out to every one of my mentors who have always told me to focus on how I can fix a situation and not the person because I think it's always been something like I, I'm always been a fixer. And shout out to you for even giving me this opportunity. I think it's so important that you have maintained these constructive relationships. Like following me, I've been following you from Twitter to LinkedIn, seeing who you've been able to talk to, listening to the podcast. You know what? I just gave you a shout out on a different podcast I did a couple of weeks ago. So Word. for that. <laughs> you know what, man? <laughs> oh man, that's that's well, that's that's really dope. And, you know, it's funny because. I think the last and like I'm, this was your section to give your shout out and, and parting word, but I'm gonna say this is it's important to keep for everybody to keep in mind is like you never know who's watching and who's listening, nope. right? Like that's a really great um because I because it is funny because straight up we crack we um we cracked a million downloads last year right um or as a milestone yep. and we're probably gonna end up doing like another another million or close to this year um. And even with those numbers, when people go, oh, I listen to your show or I listen to this other show on your network, I'm surprised every time. (laughs) I'm never, I'm never like, oh, great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I bet. You should. Like, no, it's always a shock to me. So, so dope. Listen, I cut you off. No. Any other parting words? Um, I guess, especially to anyone who is in the job search market right now, hold fast. Like, I think it's very easy to get discouraged by i will be honest people like me who have bounced from job to job didn't look like it was hard getting jobs getting interviews and really leading by example and thinking beyond the moment of right now i think it's so important to okay i just got laid off but not wallow in sort of that self-doubt and really figure out what's the next for you and what makes you most happy and go from there (sighs) janae it's been a pleasure you're a friend of the show um, hopefully we can get story blocks on here, but we can not talk about that offline. You know what I'm saying? We can talk about that. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, much love. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. And we're back. Hey, I want to shout out Janae one more time. Um, it was a really good conversation. Had a really fun time. Um, you know, I want to say one more thing, you know, the purpose of, or the function and Tony Morrison talks about this. You can look it up yourself. She talks about like the function of racism is to distract you, right? You spend a bunch of time trying to prove that you're qualified or prove that you're in whatever shape, form or fashion good enough. And the reality is, You don't have to prove anything to anybody. What you need to make sure um, is that you love you. You need to make sure that you know that you're good enough. You need to make sure that you 
like what you see when you wake up every day. Shout out to Cheryl Lee Ralph. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the guy that made Dilbert, <laughs> he took some right wing poll that had a stupid question around a Nazi phrase and took the responses of 130 people, 130 black people, misquoted it, and then used that, all of that, what I just said, to justify a ridiculously racist rant. So racist, in fact, that all these capitalist institutions said, you know what? We're not going to work with you no more. We're not going to rock with you. We're not going to work with you. We're going to take all your little dry Dilbert cartoons (laughs) out of our stores. And now people are running around demanding that someone debate him on the merit of his position. Y'all, that's a distraction. (laughs) All of that's a distraction. Racism does this thing, right? I mean, white supremacists do this thing, but a function of, of it is you're put in a position where you have to engage an argument on a ridiculously moronic premise and engage it in good faith even though it by its very design is bad faith. And I'm asking you, I'm imploring you black person, beautiful, brilliant, gifted black person. Do not burn your brain cells trying to jump through the, uh, the hoops of convincing people that you are a human being. You matter right now. You matter right now. Okay, and if nobody else tells you, I love you. Want you to take care of yourselves. And um, yo, again, Black history, American history, they one and the same. But I still do want to say, Happy Black History Month. We're going to continue with this content. We're going to continue with our extended Black History Month campaign with Pfizer, and um, you're going to continue to hear incredible stories and spotlights from some really dope people. And we have some more some more campaigns that we'll be launching a little bit later this year. But. Yeah, I mean, just take care of yourselves, just take care of yourselves, you matter, I promise you matter. Peace. Elevation post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.